What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I thank you for being here to listen and learn from all the amazing educators I talk with on a weekly basis. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Edge. Ooh, badges. Let me tell you, as a former principal and director of innovation and technology for a really large school district out here in California where I live, I know firsthand how important learning and professional development is for all educators. Edu has over 270 badges to learn from. Now, you're probably thinking, what does this look like? Where can I learn? What kind of, you know, certifications and badges can I get? Adobe Express Expert, AI, Apple Teacher Certification, Audacity, Chrome Champion. If you you or your teachers or your staff, you want to learn more about the Chrome browser, you can become a Chrome Champion. Common Sense Media Digital citizenship is so important. Uh, they have a badge for that. Desmos, Flip, Go Noodle, Gmail, and all the certifications for Google Educator. Y'all, it's awesome. There's over 270 badges. You can buy a subscription for everybody in your school, everyone in your district. You can look on the back end and see everybody's progress. And guess what? You can get started for free with a free educator account. Give your team access to select badges and up to seven contact hours. But if you want more, you can use the promo code ADAM, A-D-A-M, for $20 off a premium account. Experience the difference and consider the potential for your entire district. Visit edubadges.com. It is linked in the show notes as well to learn more or to schedule a demo. I can remember back in the day when I was a teacher and a principal, we just figured things out on our own. And uh, Edu badges, they just take so many steps out of that. They save you time. They get your learning going faster, more efficient. It's really awesome. Edubadges.com. Sign up for free. Use promo code ADAM for $20 off a premium account. And hey, if you're looking for a speaker or you're having some professional development, if you want someone that's high energy, relevant, fun, and relatable, I am booking events for 2024. January 2024, I'm already in Georgia, Illinois, Missouri, Texas, Virginia, Alaska. It's going to be cold in Alaska and New York. I've given well over 350 keynotes all across North America. I'm speaking to all the athletic directors in Indiana in March, and uh, I would love to talk with you. Keynotes, breakouts, leadership strands, you name it. I have done it. I love working with all educators. I have an event in uh, Texas. I'm working with like 250 school secretaries. So whoever you um, are working with, uh, reach out, adamwelcome at gmail.com or my website, mradamwelcome.com for more info. I got videos, I got topics. We can schedule a call and, uh, and talk about your event. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Dr. Neil Gupta, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Oh man, we were talking before the show. You're one of those people that I feel like I've known on social media for 
probably at least 10 years and we've never met in person, which, you know, there's like a handful of people that you just, you literally know them and like we're friends and I feel like we're friends and um, we've just, uh, we've never, never met in person. Everybody make sure you're going to Twitter X, whatever the heck we're calling it, Dr. Neil Gupta. You can uh, follow Neil and see all the awesome things that he shares about in learning and uh, everything else. Uh, Neil, but the people out there that don't know who you are, just give us a little update and kind of bring us up to speed on who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, this is my first year as a superintendent. Um, I live in Ohio, so I, I've made a, a four different school districts uh, in my career and uh, just landed uh, starting August 1st uh, in Oakwood Schools. It's a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Beautiful community. Kids are amazing. Um, our, our teachers are, are top notch. And uh, I get to wake up and, and get to work every day visiting our, our students and trying to figure out how to make things better for our staff. Yeah, that's awesome. Was that like a planned kind of transition to superintendent or, I mean, just like the right job, right time, or like, how did that whole process go for you? Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't, every job, I don't know every, every job change that I took. I feel like uh, at times I feel like I was being pushed, pulled. I was making the decision. I was pressured into making the decision. It, you know, it was just interesting, but the timing for this one worked out great. I'm uh, I'm an empty nester. My wife and I, we've got two boys. Um, this past year, they both both graduated, one from college and one from high school. So we were also to place, um, I'd been in the previous district, my previous district, Worthington Schools for eight years. And um, it, I think it was time for me to, to, you know, kind of again, like push myself in a place of taking a risk to go to a superintendent role. So I, you know, people had encouraged me to do that. My superintendent from, from Worthington schools encouraged me to do it. Um, I always had, not always, but I had the, uh, the licensure that was there. And so it was just a, let's, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. And um, if, if it doesn't work out and the district doesn't want me, that's great. I'm happy where I am. Uh, but one thing led to another and I got the job offer and, and it was just a great time for us to move. It wasn't disrupting our kids with their schooling and um, not another chance for my wife and I to, you know, uh, come to a, to another place. You know, what's really beautiful is this, like, I do have to give a shout out to my wife on this uh, because she, she, I don't know if she knew this when we got married that I was going to be this, you know, kind of crazy person of, <laughs> Hey, let's move. Hey, let's move. And so we've, you know, moved to you know, three other districts after our first one, um, we physically, geographically moving to different places. And she's a trooper. She's you know, like obviously, I'm the one who's initiating the new job, but for her to come alongside me in in this you know way has been amazing. Um, right now, it, it, I love going to see our students at, at different sporting events and academic events and at at the theater and uh, musical and concerts and everything like that. And she comes to like 95% of the things wow. that events that I go at night to my wife's like, where are we going tonight? Where are we going? Like, I'm like, I'm going to music. You want to come with me? She's like, let's go. And wow. that's been really cool. Um, so number one, I'm not feeling like I'm leaving her behind, but number two is, is like, I, and I told that to the district, like, you know, that you're not just getting a superintendent, but you're getting my whole family. <laughs> yeah. It is going to just cheerlead our school district. And, and that's what it's been. Yeah. Shout out to the spouses. You know, nobody can do it without the support Great. of the people in their family. And I remember when I saw that announcement of you taking the superintendent job, and I don't know why in my head, I was like, I thought you were like retiring. And I was like, wait, Neil's going to go live on a boat, like in Bali or something. And now he's a soup. So, Hey, you know what, when doors open, 
walk through those doors and see what's on the other side. I think that's a, I think that's a really important thing to, uh, for everybody to remember. So I talked about Twitter and X really quickly at the beginning, but I want to know like that, that whole world has changed. Um, obviously not just with the sale of Twitter, but just the social media landscape in general. And I just want to know where, where are you learning right now? Um, you know, from a social media standpoint or just in an, in another way, I know cause my habits have greatly changed on where I spend time reading, learning, connecting. Um, and I just think it's, you know, I, there's uh, it's just changed. So where are you learning from now, Neil? Yeah, that, that, you know, that's a great question. So I think early, early on, um, I, I was always in a place of, you know, connections matter, relationships matter, right? So we have tools like um, social media and, and Twitter and X and all that other stuff that help be accelerators for those things. Um, what it did for me was get to know people in a 120 character environment and if if you were really just knocking it out of the park because you were saying some really brilliant, profound things, or you were living out these these awesome ideals and making things actually happen in schools, I was I wasn't just watching you on Twitter. I was direct messaging you and saying like, where are you going to be? At, like, when's the next time you're coming to Ohio? Or hey, I'm heading to this conference. Am I going to get a chance to see you there? And let's let's develop a relationship and and have a conversation with that. So. To me, social media would just became like that jump starter for me to network and find find the people that then I could have this close intimate relationship with later in the future. Like, oh look, I'm having a question about technology. Here's the here's the five experts that I think you know that I've gotten to figure out and know. Here's some some questions about um, how we make sure that our kids feel safe in our schools. Well, here's the five people that I think are crushing it right now, and I can talk to. You're right. I think that the platform of, of social media has changed. I, I know for me, I'll be honest, I'm mean, word. I'm exhausted when I go to, to um, <laughs> I, I loved going on there, loved past tense, because it was a place of inspiration and a place of um, learning. And I think now you get challenges and you get, and you know, challenges in the bad way of, of you know, people that just want to complain. And, and I don't want that to be my to go on my feed sort of thing. I don't want to go to that and find out that that's where people are. Um, through that journey, though, I would say, luckily, I got in at the right time. Through my journey, I got to know people. And when you build positive relationships with people, like, again, I people sometimes think you go to a conference to go hear the speaker. That's only half of it. The sure. other half of it is, is networking with people while you're at the conference, both the speakers and the people that you're sitting beside at your table or next to. Like, I'm not that person that walks in and, and never talks to the people around me. Like, you're going to know who I am, and I'm going to find out who you are and and that sort of thing, and then walk away with, with this new list of people. And so what that's garnered for me is I've got this, you know, Rolodex, you know, back in the day, the Rolodex, I've got oh, yeah. the Rolodex of, of people that I, I know. And so today, for example, I... Um, I, I had a question about how to start this new initiative that I want to do in my district. I know that people are already doing it right now. I called four superintendents. I, I texted four superintendents um, about an hour ago, and all four responded back to me within like five minutes. Hey, Neil, what do you need? Hey, Neil, how can I help you? So you 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 develop that professional learning community, and and you you build those relationships, and and you you're vulnerable to say I don't know everything, and how how can I learn from that? So. Number one is I think early on that the social media helped me to identify and find those trusted friends. Books still help out. I still go to conferences. I'm finding out that the conference venues I'm going to has changed slightly. I'm not as much attracted to large conferences as much as smaller conferences these days. That's not a that's not a COVID thing um, or anything about a specific conference. Is 
I like the more intimate times where I can actually, you know, build some relationships um, at times. Trust me, I still like the energy from a large conference, but I'm still finding myself like still finding out that going to a regional workshop, a regional conference or something, you know, close by um, still still helps me to stay stay certain. Podcasts, um, I would say maybe five years ago, I wasn't as much into. Man, I'm telling you, I am gobbling up podcasts left and right. And um, and again, maybe some people just stop right there after they listen to some podcasts. I want to go connect with that speaker, connect with that guest that came on, learn from those people. Obviously, I'm reading books uh, that comes along with that. But yeah, it, it's been a, a wide variety, but it definitely has shifted the past couple of years. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good analysis that you that you just dropped to everybody. And, um, you know, I get I get sad that Twitter is not what it was. But then also, you know what, it's a good thing. Because uh, if you try to stay in the same thing for too long, it's going to change and then you're going to stay in that rut. And it forces you to look at your connections and your relationships in in a different way. I still do feel, you know, nostalgic for it, right? Because it's kind of, you know, been on Twitter for like 12 years or something. And it's how a lot of things originated. So how do you how do you as an educational leader, but also as a brand new superintendent, how do you decide to keep what you're doing? I feel like there's a TMI problem, too many initiatives, too many things. What's the process look like for you, Neil, to maybe like strategically abandon things that are just not having the efficacy that you need them for your staff and for your students? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I love how you phrased it is um, I, I think you have to be the one that that is cognizant of putting those guardrails up, saying no to initiative fatigue, uh, because I'll tell you, early on in my career, I guess maybe that's where I got burnt out was because I was somebody, somebody likened me to the dog that you leave at home uh, during the day. And when you get home, the dog is so excited to see you when you open the door that they're like jumping up and down. They're like, seriously, this is what somebody said. Neil is like that dog. And what they were saying was that guy <laughs> loves to chase, chase initiatives. Yeah. That gets excited about initiatives. Well, what I learned in my, my journey has been the idea of it may be what's taught, but is it what's learned? Like, is it actually penetrating down deep into the culture and in the fabric of the, the district? And I found out that it's not if you keep doing those things. Like, I've, I've watched it. Um, I've watched where you think about this idea about compliance versus commitment. This idea of how many times have you we've been in, in districts where I've seen I've seen leaders put millions of dollars in an initiative. They leave the district. And it's gone in two months. Yeah. It's gone in two months. And, and then you sit there and go, wow, how did that happen? Well, you know why? Because the leader owned it, but not the staff, not the community. Not It, it didn't get built into the culture. There must have been compliance, and it must have been one person's idea and not everybody else's. And I think we sometimes kind of think that we're, we have to build initiatives based on um, uh, if everybody read and actually listened to everything that I said – and then I'm naive to think that like they're all right now doing it, you know, you know, but it's this idea of people need to hear things over and over again. They need to disrupt and they need to kind of like disrupt their thinking. They need time to process it. They need time to do some other things. And so, you know, it's really I get I'll be honest. With you, I guess it's more it's gotten easier for me to say we're not going to go that direction. We're going to say no to that. And that thing is great. I love that that's there. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, because we're going to stay the course because we know that it's going to get deeper and it's going to actually get implemented with more fidelity if we provide if we provide those layers for it first. 
Yeah, well, I think too, a lot of people that are making decisions aren't actually out there seeing what's happening because you can't know where you need to go unless you actually know where you are. And a lot of people just go, we're gonna do this. It's a really shiny object. It's really awesome. We have money, let's do it. So with that being said, how do you build capacity in your people? Cause you're important. Superintendent is a really, really important position. So as a principal, so as a teacher, so as a bus driver, a bus driver, they need to build capacity in the other bus drivers, in the transportation team, in their students, in the paraeducators, the, you know, the people that are helping, helping students. How do you build capacity uh, in, uh, in other people. So I, I think, I think it's this idea of, and I'll use that word, get a flat in the system. Like, you know, like we have to be in a place where um, I'm not holding all the cards. Like I can't be the one that just goes to the, to all the leadership meetings and is going to bring back the information and think that like everything that I like that I went back and brought everything and I'm going to impart this on everybody else. And it's going to get done because I'm excited about it. They're excited about it. That, that just doesn't happen. So um, early, early, early on, and this is part of a human-centered design thinking approach, I think that I, I kind of have in, in my head and, and try to manifest out there, is this idea about how do we kind of go collaboratively in that journey together? And we, we to your exact point, it can't just be that like the administration is going to go to this thing and they're going to learn about it. And then again, they're going to impart it. Um, I know that there are you know, uh, shortages with substitute teachers and and different things about maybe time and being able to share some different things. But we have to kind of think creatively and solve things that help to, to allow people to in at least investigate in the journey together while it's still germinating versus waiting until things something's fully fleshed out at the district level, unveil it and think that all of a sudden we're going to just dis disseminate it and it, it's going to get done. So, for example, we just had a, a, a professional learning day and I appreciated that um, we had we, we had some of our staff members lead some different sessions over um, a topic. And as we were talking, somebody smarter than me in the room said, well, wait a minute, is our classified staff, when are they going to get a chance to hear these breakout sessions? They, they were already locked into to going to some other PD sessions during those same exact times. And so I quickly said, I'm probably not going to do it service, but let me meet with the other one person that's speaking about it. Let me learn what they're doing, and I'll run the session with with that the classified staff members that are to uh, that weren't able to take it from other sessions. And I think that's important. That number one, we recognized that that they wouldn't have gotten it had we kept it, in, you know, and, and realized that there were some conflicts in the schedule that they wouldn't have gotten a chance to hear. That they wouldn't have gotten a chance to hear common language that was happening across the building. And um, and then I think for me to kind of model the way to say I'm willing to to do that. And so trying to you know show that support of we should be doing that for each other. Yeah. No, I love that. If you weren't an educator, what else would you have done, Neil? I think I, I think personal chef is something I think I would be. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think um, I'm, I'm getting getting into this idea about something something with some collaboration. Um, I def I definitely like to be around teams for sure. Team development I think would be something mm. I'd be interested in doing. It might be then in the corporate sector, um, but I think the idea of team building and and working with people and kind of enhancing groups is something that really you know, charges me up and gets me excited. Yeah. Who's your favorite non-educational person to learn from? Oh, gosh. So non-educational. So I do listen to a podcast regu regularly by Andy Stanley. Hmm. Um, 
yeah, he he does a, a leadership podcast, brings in different speakers. I've read read books by him before, um, but man, I'll tell you what. And I think that's actually what's neat is because there's a, a kind of a sense of cross training. Uh, like I love that you asked that question because we could get stuck into our only favorite. Like I I don't read fiction, and you know I know that's bad for me because I don't read fiction. I read leadership. Um, so like John Gordon, my I was reading John Gordon leadership books to my five year old when he, like when he was five years old. Like it was like Daddy's gonna read you a nighttime story. And after a while, I was just like you know he's so he's grown up reading. So he's now grown up reading leadership books. But I love what I love about Andy Stanley is because. I mean, number one, leadership's leadership, but he'll come and talk some different things that are outside of what we tend to talk about in our trade that that obviously have direct um, applicability, uh, but it, it's sometimes said in such a different way that it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. I interviewed John Gordon a few weeks ago, and it's actually gonna it's gonna drop on a on another podcast I have. He was awesome, super fun to talk to. Uh, just really great ideas, really great stories. Uh, everybody makes a lot of decisions every single day. Some decisions, I think they're like categorized. One, easy, yeah, blue, green, ah, go with the blue. Two is a little bit more, three, four. Then you have like a level five decision, right? Complex. You're like, I got to get this right. Because if I don't get it right, there's going to be some repercussions just across. How do you approach a really hard decision? It's come to you, your experience, you're like, yeah, all right here is what I'm going to do. And you may not get it right the first time, obviously, but what does the process look like for you, Neil? Yeah, so so I would say I'm going to give you two visuals that kind of go into my head. Um, the first one is I've got this like two by two grid that kind of sits as I'm, somebody's coming to talk to me. And and you first have to be very, very careful that they're their uh, tone and their sense of urgency of how they're sharing the information, how their frantic look on their face, like you've got to somehow keep that in check, right? So I'm, as I'm listening to them, I'm sitting there going, is this urgent important? Is this important, not urgent? Is this That's the Eisenhower index. Dwight yeah, Eisenhower, Eisenhower created right? that. It's awesome. Yeah. So you kind of have to look at that because sometimes things are important, not urgent, but because they're, because it's, in, it's it, like, I don't know, something like so emotional for them, they're looking for a quick answer. And you've got to somehow like read into it to go, do I have to make this decision right now? Do I have enough information right now to make this decision? My The fear sometimes is we sometimes make decisions when they don't have to be made because number one, we don't have all the facts and we don't need to because we don't have all the time that needs to be done. Um, I think about people coming up to us or even emails. You get the email and we sometimes think we have to think linearly about, I can't answer the, the next email until I finish completing the first email that came before that. And, but you read it and go, do I need to read it? Like that's, there's some leadership right there. Do I have to answer it right now? Um, do I have to kind of go through things or do I have to ask a question back again or, or whatever? So keep that Eisenhower index. That's good. You know, that model in place. The next one that, that uh, kind of comes into my head is there was a, a research survey that was done. I think the guy's name was Victor Vroom. I could have this wrong. I could be completely wrong on his name, but I, <laughs> but I love that name and maybe I've attached it to the wrong person and maybe this person doesn't even exist, but we're going to go with it. Um, so there was a survey that was put out. There were 40 scenarios that, that you had to kind of answer, but the, the answers were all the same. Okay. Like 40 scenarios, but the four choices or five choices were all the same. So the choices were, you're going to make the decision by yourself. You're going to like, um, another choice was you get a group of people together, you listen to their feedback, but you make the decision. 
you get everybody together and the team makes a decision. I mean, if you kind of go where I'm going with yeah. that. So one of the scenarios was like, you're in charge of the bomb squad um, at a at airport and there's a luggage sit right there unattended. What do you do? And well, no, you're not going to get a team together. You're not going to say, let's, let's have coffee and let's figure out what we're going to do. You're going to make the decision on what happens with this piece of luggage and you're going to just execute, you know, or like a fire in a school building. You're, you're going to execute. We're all going out this door sort of thing. Um, but let's take another scenario of, um, gosh, you, you know, we're, we, we need to consolidate two school districts and what's the logo, the new mascot of this new school district going to be? <laughs> well, you're not going to make this sole decision. You're going to, you know, yeah. so there are right and wrong answers for that, right? So, so this idea about coupling the Eisenhower matrix with this means when somebody comes to you or when you have to make a difficult decision, you've got to number one, first of all, think about, is it a time-driven decision um, or is it going to be development development driven decision or it, or is the team are you going to develop your team through this process is it going to be collaboratively uh constructed um and again you still may have to be the one that makes the answer but but do you at least have the gift of a little bit of time to go get some more information talk to the people that need to, to in order to get that for example let me give you a great example so I'm, i've been in school district administrator district administrator in four different districts um over 20 years so i'm pretty smart you know, I'm I'm being fictitious. Okay. So somebody asked me a couple of years ago, Neil, can you make a testing schedule? Uh state testing is coming up. Will you make a state testing schedule? And 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 you know, it was one of those where I said, I'll get back to you. And they're like, what are you talking about? All it is is a bell schedule. It takes five minutes to sit there and calculate numbers and you know, four minutes for change between classes and all that kind of stuff. Well, here's the difference. Or you know, could I do that? Absolutely. Here's what's missing. Did any? I said I need to talk with our transportation supervisor because we've got we've got kids that are driving bus on the bus back and forth between buildings, and some are going to the career center. And does it impact? It impacts them. And I don't want to make a mistake and and do something that makes a mistake with our transportation. What about food service? We've got the cafeteria. If I if I change the bell schedule, what if it? creates an unintended consequence with our food service that we didn't think about. And so I'm going to send a couple emails to gather their feedback on, is this draft an okay draft? Because do I need to make this decision right now? The, the bell schedule is four weeks away that I need to make the decision. Like we're not having the state test until four weeks. So again, I it's not a mathematical problem. It's about in bringing people together. It's about developing consensus. It's about checking with people that are actually supposed to be in the know on these certain things. And by the way, feel better when you ask them. They paused and said, hold on a second, you're calling me, you're giving me the gift of four weeks to get back to you with an answer, and you're asking for my opinion? Nobody yep. ever asks me for my opinion. That's right, yeah. And, and that builds relationship trust uh, that are that are insurmountable. So be careful of trying to make knee-jerk reactions when they may not be made right away. I'll, I'll finish it with this. Not making a decision is making a decision. You don't have to <laughs> hundred percent. So I love the, the Eisenhower index or matrix. It's called a few different things. And I feel like there needs to be a new one, like kind of like a five step, like if, you know, slow down or you can make this decision fast or you can do it now, or you can do it later. Cause it's more nuanced than that. Um, and to your point, you know, 20 years of district, um, administration experience, you have seen so many things, you know, how to react where I see a lot of new leaders is make those mistakes as they try to do something too fast, too soon, whatever that might be. Uh, Neil, the president calls you and he says, Neil, I want you to come to Washington. Obviously, Mrs. Gupta is invited as well because she goes to everything. Absolutely. Um, anyway. um, and he wants you to be the secretary of education. 
um, and you and you take the job, what would you do? Like, like the first, you know, just it's a huge question, huge job. How would you approach that? Yeah, so I, I think first and foremost, and it's actually what I did here in this district when I first got here is um, spend a lot of time at the very beginning listening and learning. Um, I, I know exactly, and I while I could boast one second about how I've got 20 years experience at central office in four different districts, really, that's all in the state of Ohio. You know, <laughs> like, so I would go on the road and um, and visit a lot of school districts um, across across the United States. Um, I would do a lot of listening. I would um, bring people in that are in that periphery. You know, I, I got to spend one day at um, the State Department of Education. I got to shadow Stephanie Siddons, who's now a great friend of mine, and, and uh, she's a um, tremendous leader. And as I was listening and getting a chance to watch one day, um, they were having a conversation about state testing. This different, I mean, this is state testing. Oh my gosh, believe it or not, we're talking about state testing. And somebody was asking them um, a, a question. I can't remember. There was a question that was being asked about state testing. And I even thought I knew the answer. I thought, I'm shadowing for the day and I know the answer. I'm going to answer it. And they got <laughs> off the phone. They got off the phone and, and they quickly started kind of piloting or, or starting jotting down going, how is this decision going to impact urban schools, rural schools, suburban schools? We've got a deaf school. We've got correctional facilities. We've got career centers. And I and and I love that they kind of went through this like litmus test that we don't tend to think about is like I assume because I've been in public education school looks like school That's right and looks like education and I love that they kind of spent some time you know um, listing out going if we make a decision we could end up doing something wrong because we you know in one of these other pockets right there and so I'd want to spend a lot of time doing that I'd want to bring some people together I'd want uh, to kind of really get a lay of the land of you know, what are the priorities that have to happen right there? And then, and then take it from there. Yeah. Talk to everyone, ask lots of questions and listen, 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 Neil, if you could choose one person alive or dead to spend the day with who is not a family member, who would it be and why? Man, Ooh, that's a good, that's a good to spend the day with. I can spend a day with this person. That's right. They, wait, alive or dead, alive or dead, not a family member. Oof. Man, no, I, I'm even, I'm losing, I'm losing. Where, what would that, who would that be? I don't know. I, I'll come back to that. We'll come back. Let that me was the last that. question. That's the last question. We're going to wrap it up. <laughs> so I was so, thinking Julia Child, um, right. because of your, because uh, of your, you know, your cooking or Jacques Pepin. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know, right? I mean, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to throw you some ideas to if, think if about. That gives me a chance, maybe, yeah, maybe I should pick somebody so it gives me a chance to go to that next that Wolfgang that, Puck. I don't know. Italy, maybe, so maybe, I could go to Italy and spend a day. Yeah, he can make you a sous chef or something. I don't know. So <laughs> I think this, and this is as of today, but like, so there's there's an author named Max Lucado. So um, he, a uh, Christian author, I, I uh, just became a Christian while I was in college and gobbled up all of his books. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go and visit him. It was so cool. There was one day where I, again, this is who I am. I, I guess back in college, what, what was the first time I ever did that? Read a book. When you get done reading a book, what do you do? I don't know what you do. You know what I do? I call <laughs> the person up and say, can you have, can we have lunch? <laughs> can we be friends? Like, seriously? Yes. Can yeah. we be friends? Like maybe the little <laughs> note with a yes and no little sign on there that they got to check the box. So he happened to happen to pick up the phone. He's a pastor in a church down in Texas. And I I, I called and, and he I was expecting it as administrative assistant, or I was expecting to get voicemail message. And he picked up the phone 
And um, I think he's famous. I think he's a big deal. And I said, can I have lunch? And he said, absolutely. What day do you want to come? So I had no reason to fly to Texas. I'm in college. Don't have a lot of money at the time. I paid wow. for my my plane ticket to go down. He ended up having to cancel with me because um, it was um, 1994 or five or something. Oklahoma City bombing had occurred and he was going flying to go and console families and 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 be with families. So definitely a, a great reason uh, to cancel the meeting. Um, I never got a chance to have lunch with him. Hmm. I think I would like to go back and have lunch with him and have that lunch that I didn't get a chance to get and uh, just pick his brain because he really influenced my life early on, um, starting out as a Christian and a leader. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Dr. Neil Gupta, Dr. Neil Gupta on Twitter, X, social media. Man, super fun having you on the podcast. It's been uh, 10 years in the making. Hopefully, uh, hopefully someday soon we'll get to connect in person. Uh, thanks for all you do. Everybody listening, thank you for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.